a scorching hot summer's day in July of 1954, on the island nation of Japan, something strange occurred. The day was normal, just like any other at the Haneda airport. That was until a businessman got off one of the flights. This man was from the nation called Torred, a nation that simply doesn't exist. As the story goes, a plane landed on the Haneda airport in Japan. As you could expect, the vast majority of the passengers were Japanese. These people were most likely returning home from their holiday vacations so they could go back to work the following day. It just seemed like your average day at airport customs. People grabbing their luggage, having casual conversations, looking for other people that they were meeting, etc. Not all the passengers were Japanese, however. Some were in fact European, and it was one of these passengers who caught the attention of the customs employees, a man who would be the subject of conspiracy theories the world over. The man was well dressed, and along with his usual luggage, carried a leather bound briefcase. The man's first language seemed to be French, however, oddly enough, he could also speak fluent Japanese, as well as several other languages from all around the world. When asked what the purpose of his trip was, he said that he was here on a business trip. This made sense given the way he was dressed and what he was carrying. However, the problems began when they looked at the man's passport. The man gave the customs employee a passport that looked completely official and was in perfect condition. It even had stamps from other countries, including Japan, showing that the man had traveled to Japan before that day. What didn't make sense was that his passport said that he was from a country called Torred. None of the officials present recognized the name, so they had to pull the man aside so they could clarify the discrepancy. The mystery man was brought to a small room and was asked to present other forms of identification to make sure that it wasn't some elaborate prank. The man happily and easily obliged, showing several forms of identification as well as currency and banknotes from his home country which didn't look counterfeit in any way. Being very confused at this point, they then showed him a map of the world and asked him to point out where on the map his country was. At first the man was smug about this as you could expect, treating it as it was easy and should have been well known to everyone in the room, but as he looked at the map the man began to get confused and then nervous. The man pointed between the border of France and Spain where modern day Andorra is. The man claimed that this is where his home country should have been. He also claimed that his country was over a thousand years old, so a modern map such as the one he was seeing should have shown it. What's further confusing is that the man claimed that this was his third trip to Japan that year, and that he had been making similar trips over the past five years, and had never once had a problem. The stamps on his passport also confirmed this. Everyone involved was very confused at this point, as you could expect, so the airport called the company that the mysterious man claimed to be visiting to see if they could clear any of this up. But 
the company had never even heard of the man before. Not only that, but the company the man claimed to work for didn't even exist at all. And when they called the hotel that the man said he had a reservation at, they said that they had no reservation under that name. The man went from confused to angry at this point as he assumed that the customs employees were pulling some kind of joke on him or something. And he asked the, to see government officials so that they could fully clear up the matter once and for all. The man would have to wait for a meeting, however, as you could imagine, and since the airport couldn't hold him in the interrogation room forever since they didn't really have any real reason to, they let him stay in the suite at the airport's hotel with two immigration guards to keep watch over him and make sure he didn't leave. Now, it's important to keep in mind that there was only one door in or out of the hotel suite that it was under constant supervision by both of the guards. The reason why this is important is because after some time had passed, the guards knocked on the door to check on the man. The man gave no response, however, so they entered the room, and the man was completely gone. There was no trace of him anywhere, and there was no holes in the wall or any signs of escape. For those of you that think he simply left out the window and then closed it on his way out, it's also important to know that the window was on the sixth floor of the hotel and had no ledge so he couldn't have even climbed down, and if the man had jumped from the window, the fall would have almost likely killed the man, and even if by some absolute miracle he survived the fall, he would have been far too crippled to move, or would have, at the very least, left a trail of blood. But there was no signs of anything like that. There was no body on the ground, no signs of injuries anywhere inside or outside of the hotel. Nothing. Not only that, but all the man's belongings had also vanished. Now, you might expect that, but what's strange about that fact is that the man's belongings were kept in a separate location, and the man was not informed of the location of his belongings, so there's no way he could have taken them. The two guards were, of course, scolded, but they insisted that they had been watching the door the whole time, and that no one had gone in or out of the room since they put the man inside of the room. Since the event, no one has ever seen or heard from the mysterious man from Torred ever again. People have naturally proposed many theories over what happened. Some think it was some very elaborate prank. Some think it's an urban legend that simply isn't true and got too popular, which caused people to think it was true. And others also believe that the mysterious man was from another universe entirely. You see, there's a theory that there are universes similar to our own out there, but with minor differences. I'm sure most of you have heard this theory before. People believe that the man from Torred was from one of these universes where the country of Torred did in fact exist, and that somehow during his plane ride to Japan, he was temporarily ripped from his universe and dropped into our own. You may also recognize this as being part of the Mandela Effect, which is a phenomenon where many people remember historical events 
differently from what actually happened. In case you didn't know, people also think that that part of the Mandela Effect is because of alternate universes colliding with each other. Every theory has skeptics, however, as you would naturally assume, and the man from Torred is no different. You see, no one can actually trace the origin of this story. The earliest reference to this story is believed to have been published in a book from 1981 called The Directory of Possibilities by Paul Begg. The story in that book isn't as in-depth as the one I just told you. In fact, it's only a paragraph long, and it is presented as a tidbit of truthful information. The extended version, or the version of the story that I just told you, can only be traced back as far back as 2012, when it appeared on a website called Before It's News and was written by Terence Aim. Naturally, skeptics have used this as proof that it is nothing but an urban legend. They also point out why no one can find any newspaper articles or anything like that about the event, but people who believe in this story fire back, saying that they probably would have never allowed the papers to publish the story, so the airport and the Japanese government as a whole wouldn't be embarrassed by the events. People also question how it could go from a paragraph to such an in-depth full story if the full story didn't already exist in some capacity. Believers also point out that there have been many other cases similar to the man from Torred as proof that the event did or at the very least could have happened. And don't worry, these events will get their own video in the future. But now I leave it all to you. What do you think happened on that day? Was it all a well thought out prank? Was it just a story that got blown out of proportions and caused people to believe it? Or was a man really transported here from another universe entirely? As I said, I'll leave that all up for you to decide. Crater Lake National Park an absolutely beautiful park that's filled with lush trees, beautiful wildlife, and a sense of wonder that can soothe any soul. Located in southern Oregon, it's a popular tourist attraction that brings in people from all over just so that they can see all the beauty for themselves. However, the fact that many people do not realize is that many, many people have gone missing at that park. Now, that in itself is not too strange, while it is unfortunate thousands of people go missing in parks every single year. Crater Lake is different, however. You see, people tend to disappear in mysterious ways there, and perhaps none is more mysterious or strange than the disappearance of Charles McCuller. In January of 1975, the 19-year-old Charles made plans to travel all over the U.S. to visit national parks. He was a photographer, you see, and wanted to capture all the natural beauty of these parks during the winter months. His travels eventually brought him to Eugene, Oregon, where he was staying with a friend of his. There, in the comfort of his friend, is when Charles would make a decision. 
decision that would lead to the young man never being seen again. He told his friend that he was going to visit Carter Lake to take pictures, just like he had been doing at several other locations. Before leaving, he wisely told his friend that if he wasn't back by the 1st of February, that his friend should call the police. He left on the 29th of January, and the park had already been completely covered in snow. It was later reported that Charles was not properly equipped to handle the terrain or the cold weather. The last person who would ever see Charles was a witness who had offered him a ride to the park. On the 31st of January, it snowed again, making the deep snow even deeper and even harder to travel in. February 1st came and went, and there was no sign of Charles. Charles's friend had called the police as he had promised. This caused the National Park Service, as well as state police, to begin the search for Charles. The locals were also told about the situation in hopes that it would help find Charles. Perhaps the saddest part about this story is that Charles's father also made several trips to the park to try and find his son, but he was never able to find a trace of his son. While his father wasn't able to find any trace of his son, he also helped by giving authorities a list of items that Charles would be carrying. However, this didn't help much as there were no leads or evidence to show where Charles could have ended up other than the fact that he was probably somewhere in the park. So, with a saddened heart, the search eventually had to come to an end. But the story does not end here. It wasn't until October of 1976 that the story would pick up again. A group of hikers was traveling off of the marked trails while exploring, and they found a backpack and a scarf that had been discarded laying on the ground. Thinking that this was a little strange, the hikers reported their findings to one of the rangers. The ranger, they had told, was a man named Marianne Jack. He happened to be one of the rangers that was present for the searching of Charles. When the hikers told Marianne what was in the bag, he remembered that those were the exact same items that Charles's father said Charles would be carrying. He had the hikers draw him a map of the area they found the backpack in, and him, along with some other rangers, rode horses out to the area to inspect the scene. When they got to the area, the rangers not only found the backpack that the hikers had found, but also something far stranger. They found Charles's pants laying on the ground. The button and belt buckle had been undone, and the pants were hardly damaged at all showing that Charles probably had taken them off himself rather than having them ripped off by something. The pants were also laid very weirdly, as if Charles had just suddenly vanished while wearing them. Something even weirder was revealed upon searching the pants, however. You see, the rangers had found a leg bone that had been broken. It was laying inside of the pants, and inside of the socks several smaller foot bones that were also all broken. Even stranger still was the stuff that they didn't find, such as 
Charles camera his hiking boots and his hunter's knife all completely missing they weren't anywhere in the surrounding area and throughout both searches none of those items were ever found the most horrifying discovery was a human skull but unlike the other bones the skull was perfectly intact as if it had never even been touched the rangers kept searching but didn't find any other large bones or anything else of note They took the skull back with them and then informed the FBI on their findings, but nothing else came of this other than the ruling of Charles's death being an accident. So many parts of this don't make much sense. Many people will probably come to the conclusion that Charles broke his leg and eventually died as he was unable to get help. But that doesn't explain how he would get so far off the trail when everything else would be covered in inches if not whole feet of snow heck why would he even go to such a desolate part of the park to begin with especially in the winter also why were his pants not only removed with seemingly by himself by the way but laying in such a strange way it also doesn't make sense as to why his boots wouldn't be there with his other clothes or why his camera and hunting knife were also completely missing after all he was a photographer it was his main thing to be there for photography so why would he have that on him the strangest part of all of this is why weren't there more bones even if you account for animal scavengers more bones would have been found since scavengers don't take interest in bones themselves his parents continued to claim that foul play was involved but the FBI kept saying that it was just an accident but what do you guys think happened on that day foul play an accident or do you think something more mysterious happened to him be sure to let me know my personal thoughts are in a way a sort of mix of the two now i think it maybe could have been an accident and part of the things can be explained by things you see it was winter and charlie as stated before wasn't properly dressed meaning that he probably suffered eventually from hypothermia hypothermia works weird on people's brains you see at first it can actually make you seem like you're too hot this is why many victims of hypothermia are found with their clothes having been taken off this is a possible explanation perhaps this is why he took off his pants because he felt like he was too hot as for the missing boots he could have taken them off at an earlier location and maybe they just weren't found however i will admit that that also doesn't explain a lot of other things such as the missing knife for example another symptom of hypothermia is that it actually makes you paranoid You see many people who have gotten hypothermia when getting rescued would try to flee from their rescuers because they think that their people actually coming to hurt them. And if he's suffering from hypothermia and paranoia, why would he get rid of his knife? I mean, he could have just lost it, but still, it is strange. It also doesn't explain why there were so few bones. and it also doesn't explain as to why they were laid out in the way that they were inside of the socks and only one singular leg bone inside of the pants. It also doesn't explain why the pants were let down that way as if he just vanished while in them, and it still also doesn't explain why his camera was missing. 
but that's the best conclusion that I can personally come up with. As I said, though, be sure to try and prove me wrong. I like hearing other people's opinions. I will close out with this. If you're ever traveling, make sure you're properly equipped for the situation and make sure that you know the land well, or at the very least, take someone with you who does. We don't need any more Charleses to end up out there lost in the cold. Hello everyone, Dr. Redacted here, and I am just here to say thank you so much for listening to today's video. If you would rather listen to this on YouTube, just know that there is a YouTube version of the show, or if you would like to listen to it on Spotify or anything like that, just know that there is that route as well. I would also like to point out the fact that, hey, I now have a gaming channel. It is called Helsing Gaming currently. You can find it linked in the description below. There I play some video games and just, you know, chat more casually. It's a lot of fun over there. You guys should go check it out. But most importantly, I just wanted to say thank you so much for listening. If you like any more updates from me, just know that I do have social medias also linked down in the description below. And if you're listening to this on YouTube, be sure to do the thing that every YouTuber tells you to do. Like, comment, and subscribe. It really helps me out, and I can't thank you all enough. But until we meet again, I want to say goodnight and sweet dreams to all my fellow children of the night.